unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to talk about the Bengals Ring of Honor candidates for the 2023 season. They're going to be announcing who gets in the Ring of Honor on June 9th. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Hey, Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce to you the one and only Frank LaPlaca. OTAs are coming this week. Mandatory minicamp next week. Things are going to be heating up. We're going to have a lot of headlines, a lot of news. But I think before all that happens, let's take a moment to honor some of our Bengals greats. All right, in this episode, I'm going to talk about the Bengals' Ring of Honor candidates for the 2023 season. So right now we have Mr. Paul Brown, Anthony Munoz, Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, Isaac Curtis, and Willie Anderson. All of those guys have had long, decorated careers as Bengals. Obviously, Mr. Brown started the organization and was credited with so many innovations to the sport of football. I'm not going to rattle through the list right now, but he really brought the game into the modern era. He was one of the pioneers of that. So anyway, with those six greats, basically on the Mount Rushmore right now, we have another class of guys that are about to go in. And there's a lot to consider here. You have to consider their greatness as a player, their contributions to the team, the NFL, and even the world. And then also you want to consider guys that are getting older. Maybe you want to get these guys in before, you know, before they pass away. That was unfortunate for Ken Riley to not see his own Hall of Fame induction. So you want to try to prevent that with some of these guys. So you do want to put in the best guys, but you also want to consider maybe getting some of these guys in now before they get on in years. And then you want to consider guys that were a Bengal pretty much for their entire career as well. I think that's a big factor in the Ring of Honor. Of course, they could have played for other teams. Everyone's going to do that, you know, especially at the tail end of your career, someone like a Boomer Esiason or a Corey Dillon or a Chad Johnson. All of those guys played for other teams late. But you want to have guys that were primarily Cincinnati Bengals during their career. And this list is pretty much that. So when I started looking at all these guys, what I actually did is I went and compiled a bunch of stats on everybody. And I'm like, you know what? What am I going to do? I'm going to sit here and read stats to you guys. After the third or fourth stat, you're going to start tuning it out, and it's all going to sound the same. Oh, this guy had 187 touchdowns passing. This guy had 33 rushing touchdowns. You know, like that stuff, you start forgetting. The numbers just start confusing you. So being someone in the, in the fortunate position, and again, I'm showing my age, is I've seen all of these guys play. So I have some perspective on actually watching these guys play and the feeling of who they were as players while they were Bengals. You know, it's not just looking up in a stat book or a history book and reading about these guys. I actually saw them on the field, every single one of them. All right, so with that said, I'm just going to run down everybody, and I'm just going to give a couple quick facts about each one. I'm not going to bog you guys down with stats. Let's just talk about what these guys meant as Bengals. So first on the list, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, Chad whatever you want to call him. 10 years as a Bengal, a bunch of Pro Bowls, a bunch of 1,000-yard seasons. And he made the Bengals cool. You know, there was a time where the Bengals were a doormat, and all of a sudden we had this electric wide receiver who was arrogant and backed his words and was exciting to watch. Like he said, worth the price of admission. And he put up great numbers, and he took over games. There were so many great catches and great runs after the catch. We all know that he's a great route runner with great feet and great speed. And he became a superstar Bengal at a time where we needed superstars. 
and he ushered in that era along with Carson Palmer, you know, as, as much as some of us don't really like him, of getting to the playoffs and being in the playoffs. Now, Chad didn't really shine in either of those playoff games that he appeared in as a Bengal, but that didn't matter. All the work that he put in up to then showed that he is, he is a phenomenal receiver and a phenomenal contributor to this organization, and he still continues to be the face of this organization. You know, he, he comes around to training camp. He's a Bengal for life. So this is some guy that you want to give serious consideration to being in the ring of honor. Boomer Esiason. So we went through the Ken Anderson days with great quarterback play, you know, for a decade plus. And now as Ken Anderson got older, that's what happens to a lot of teams. Your, your superstar quarterback ages, and then there's a transition period. You know, think of what's going on with the Patriots now. From Tom Brady to Mac Jones, it's not the same team that's going to be a perennial deep threat into the playoffs. So we had the fortune of having Boomer take over right for Ken Anderson. And when he first came in, I was young. I didn't even know how to say his name. I was like, Boomer Essien. And he was this tall, lefty, same thing. He was an electric character who had the personality and the swag and the ability. When he came in, he was just a successful passer right away. You know, it was like we went from these Ken Anderson years of this accurate, great passer, and we got another one right away. And it was like, man, this guy can really throw. And he threw the Bengals into the Super Bowl that year. I know we had 2,000-yard rushers, and the rushing game was a big part of that 88 Super Bowl. But Boomer Esiason was the MVP. And you look back at passing numbers, they're not what they are now because it's a totally different game than what it used to be. But he put up very strong numbers in an era that was just starting to transition into the passing game. So on top of that, he goes on to have a broadcasting career. I mean, he's a well-spoken, charitable guy. He's a great human being. And, you know, he's on New York radio every morning with great perspectives. He's on national broadcasts for the NFL. He, he does the radio broadcast for the Super Bowl. He's done Monday Night Football. I mean, he has just done it all as a broadcaster. So a lot of times you forget about him as a player because he doesn't have that Super Bowl ring. You know, us Bengal fans don't forget about him. But the general public kind of looks at him as, oh, well, he lost the Super Bowl. He's not in the Hall of Fame, you know. But in all reality, he was a great player. And at his peak one of the best players in the league for, for years. All right, moving on to Chris Collinsworth, same thing. He played eight years as a Bengal, so it was a short career. But he came in like a storm. He, as a rookie, he made the Pro Bowl. He had a 1,000-yard season as a rookie. And he, was, he contributed to both of those Super Bowls. It's very few players that were in both of those Super Bowls. Collinsworth was one of them. He was a rookie in the first one, and he was nearing the end of his career in the second one, but very productive through his career and through those Super Bowl seasons. But he's another one that has contributed so much to the world and to the game of football. I mean, he, he did, I think he broadcasted Wimbledon. Obviously, we've seen him on Sunday Night Football, a bunch of broadcasts. He founded PFF. So, you know, him and Boomer are people that went beyond being great players. And it's actually their post-career overshadowed their career. But both of these guys had very good careers. Collinsworth was a very good receiver. Very fast, very tough. You know, when you look at him now, he's, he's tall and lanky and doesn't come across as your classic NFL tough guy. But he was a great player, a tough player. And if you ever got to see him play, he was electric. What My fondest memories of him, he did a lot of those over-the-shoulder catches where you're not looking at the quarterback, you're facing the other way, and the ball just drops in over you. I mean, that's great passing by Ken Anderson and Boomer Esiason to drop it in like that. But that's what I remembered most about him was him making those over-the-shoulder catches while he's not even facing the quarterback. Next guy is Jim Breach, and he was one of those that was just a Bengal forever. When, when you looked back to the Bengals of the 80s, it just seemed like he was always there. He played 13 years for us, made a bunch of big kicks, 9 for 9 in overtime field goals. I think that's the strongest stat that comes out with him. But really, his 
he had a lot of great contributions. We had a reliable kicker for over a decade with him in there. But in Super Bowl 23, it was rumored that he was going to be the MVP before Joe Montana and Jerry Rice took over the game because he had three field goals and an extra point. He had, you know, 10 of our 16 points and was probably the most productive weapon for us in that Super Bowl. But it goes beyond that. He had a great career, and as I said, he was a reliable kicker for years. All right, on to Corey Dillon, and he's another one like Chad Johnson. He helped bring the Bengals into relevance. When Corey Dillon was playing, and I've said this before on earlier podcasts, there wasn't a reason to watch the Bengals for a long time. They were That was when we were at our darkest, and we were not a good team. We did not have good quarterback play. But we had this running back that was as tough and as good as anyone in the league. He was fast. He was strong. He was fearless. He could block. He could catch. Just the whole package. Think of Joe Mixon, only even a little bit tougher. And Corey played seven years with the Bengals, which isn't a lot in comparison to some of the other guys on this list. And I know he left in kind of a bitter way, saying, I'd rather flip burgers than play for the Bengals. You know, it got a little sticky with him. He was a very mercurial player and had a very up-and-down attitude, but... When he was on, he was on, and he produced some of the greatest memories. Like I said, that when he set that rookie record for rushing yards in a game, you know, over 200 rushing yards with 234 or something like that, that was during a season that we were just getting beaten on every week. And then that moment, like I said on another episode earlier, I think it might have been my first episode or second episode of the Unofficial Bengals podcast, but I actually cried during that game when he set that record because it was all this frustration coming out of finally seeing your team do great things after years of just being a doormat and getting so excited to watch the games and then the games being over early and by halftime you're out of it and he he brought hope to Bengals fans at a time where there wasn't a lot. He he is one of my favorite players of all time, and he was worth the price of admission. And it's unfortunate he had to go to New England to get a Super Bowl, but I'm glad he got a ring. Maybe that'll help his chances of getting to the Hall of Fame eventually. I don't know. You know, it's a long list, and sometimes guys like that don't make the cut. But he's definitely worthy of the Ring of Honor, and I think he deserves Hall of Fame consideration. And one of the big quotes from him, and I've actually used this myself in real life, He said one time, he was getting trash-talked by the other team on the way to the field or something, and he goes, if you all think I'm supposed to be scared, you got the wrong homeboy. Now that is pure toughness. All right, on to James Brooks. Now James Brooks falls into the category of having played for another team for a bunch of years. He was traded for Pete Johnson. Now Pete Johnson, if any of you recall, was a great Bengals. He was a fullback, but in those days the fullback ran the ball, and this was a case of him. He was a goal line back who always, he had a ton of touchdowns scoring in from from short yardage, but on top of that, he was a bell cow. It wasn't just a blocking back. They used him a lot. So Pete Johnson had a very good career as a Bengal. He's up there in our all-time touchdown leaders, but as Pete Johnson was nearing the end of his career, we traded for James Brooks, who was the exact opposite. James Brooks was like the Giovanni Bernard. He was the quick guy who could run, who could catch out of the backfield, as opposed to this huge power guy in Pete Johnson. Pete Johnson goes to the Chargers, plays one more year. James Brooks stays with the Bengals for eight years and is a major force in leading us to the 88 Super Bowl. And he's one who put up a lot of points for us, a bunch of receiving touchdowns, a bunch of rushing touchdowns. And in that 88 season, you know, we had Icky Woods break out and be the 
basically the rookie of the year. Who is this guy leading the Bengals' charge? But James Brooks was just his alter ego. You had both of them. You had a thunder and lightning, and the Bengals used both of them heavily, and that was a time where Boomer Siason was peaking in his career. So James Brooks came at the right time and was a major component in that Super Bowl. So another one who deserves a look at the Ring of Honor, but maybe a little bit later than some of the other guys because his career wasn't fully with the Bengals. On to David Fulcher. Now here's a guy that wasn't a prototypical safety. He was 6'3", 236. So he was a hitter, he had range, and he was a turnover machine. And not to blow stats at you, but 31 INTs and 10 forced fumbles. That's a lot of turnovers created in your career. He played seven years. It was a semi-short career due to injuries, but he made a few Pro Bowls. He was an All-Pro. And in Super Bowl twenty-three, he had a huge game. He had a sack. He had a forced fumble, and he was all over the field in that game. So when it mattered most, he showed up, and he was another one. He played for some Bengals teams that weren't that great, but of course he was on that Super Bowl team and a major contributor on defense, that SWAT secondary that, that was famed back then. He was a predominant member of that, and definitely someone fun to watch because he was a little bit freakish. You know, when you have these, these oversized players or players that aren't prototypical for that position, they're fun to watch and especially if they're dominant players. And David Fulcher was a dominant player. All right, on to Max Montoya. And he was 11 years as a Bengal, made a couple Pro Bowls. He was on both Super Bowl teams. Now, the Bengals had good offensive lines in both of those years, but the true stars of those lines were obviously Anthony Munoz on the left and Max Montoya at right guard. And it was just, you had just two on top of the league players and Montoya deserves Hall of Fame consideration it's going to be hard for him to get it because he doesn't have a ring and he you know he played for Cincinnati and then he, he kind of finished off with the Raiders and didn't really do anything major with them as well as far as championships but he was a dominant player he was that masher right guard and there was a time where we just had total protection for our quarterbacks and it stemmed from having a great on the left and a great on the right and he made the center next to him better I mean it was Blair Bush in one of the Super Bowls and he made the right tackle next to him better it was Mike Wilson for one of them so those are two guys that aren't necessarily big names they were productive players but he had the greatness to help the others around him shine and for years it was like we're set on the offensive line you know we actually had two offensive linemen that the general public actually heard of. That's how good both of these guys were. So Montoya is right there. He wasn't as good as Munoz, and no one has ever been, or maybe will ever be. And he didn't play the premier position of being a left tackle. But he was a phenomenal guard, a masher. And man, I wish we had him to this day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, next on the list is Tim Crumry, and to be honest, he may have been the toughest Bengal of all time. 12 years in a Bengal uniform, barely missed time due to injury, but we all remember his major injury in the Super Bowl. So here's a guy that was durable for his whole career, and his only injury is this horrific one in the biggest game for the franchise up to that point in time. He was a nose tackle, and that was in the day where you ran a lot of 3-4, a lot more than now, and he was tough, he was productive, he was all over the field. 
He had over 30 lifetime sacks, and that's a lot coming from the interior position where you're really just supposed to kind of clog up the middle. And that's what he did. He was a disruptive force on that defensive line that would force double teams and just clog up the middle and help the guys around him penetrate and get to the quarterback. So Crumry is the definition of a warrior. And there's not a Bengal fan that saw him play that wouldn't acknowledge that he was the heart and soul of this team and, again, one of the toughest Bengals of all time. It's not your fault what position you play. You know, like I said, Montoya as a guard, Crumry as a nose tackle, those aren't glamorous positions, so it's harder to stand out at those positions. And these guys just did it year after year. And Crumry was a major contributor on that defense to that 88 Super Bowl run as well. So, you know, let's hope that he stays healthy and he gets to see and witness his induction into the Ring of Honor. Because if it doesn't come in the next year or two, it will be coming shortly after that. All right, on to Dave Lapham. Ten years as a Bengal, and he played right guard, he played left guard, primarily both of those. Played a little bit of center, played starting tackle one year. So he was a guy that was utility, you could bring him all around. Now, he was part of those Munoz-Montoya lines, so he was obviously overshadowed by these two greats. Lots of contributions after football. Bengals broadcaster since 1986. And when you hear all these great calls, and even the new ones with Joe Burrow, any of them, you know, the, the Burrow calls, the Chad Johnson, Corey Dillon, he was there calling all of that with full enthusiasm. And this guy, if you cut him, the blood is orange. And he is a guy that deserves recognition. Maybe not even as a player, but as a contributor to this franchise and the NFL. My only negative story about Lapham, and I, I don't want to tell too many stories about my upcoming documentary, Finding Joe Burrow, but I did meet Lapham out there, and I was talking with him for a few, and I was like, hey, can you do a promo for my podcast? And he's like, yes, no problem. He's like, I'll be right back. So he goes in, and I'm like waiting for him, like, this is going to be great. I got Lapham doing a promo for the show. It's going to you know, help people know that this is really legit. And then he comes out, goes right into his car, and he starts driving away. And I kind of stop him at the driveway. And he just gives me the peace sign and drives away. So it's hard. You know, you bring in your personal emotions. I feel that he dissed me, but I get it. You know, who, who am I to him? You know, I think it just was a little weird that how he did it that way. But I wouldn't say a word to him because he's meant so much to this franchise. And even though he's an aging man, he's still a very big, strong man. And I have nothing against you, Dave Lapham. I think it was just a funny story. And you gave me an entertaining story to tell on the podcast. But next time I see you, man, you owe me. You actually should be coming on this podcast. All right, next on the list is Bob Trumpy. And out of this whole list, he's probably the one I've seen play least of everyone. But 10 years, four Pro Bowls. He was another one who started his career with a bang. He came right out of the gate. And he was that new breed of tight end as a pass-catching, speedy tight end. Not that masher. You know, he could block, but he was more of that receiving tight end. And back then... You know, your receiving tight ends maybe got 30, 40 balls a year, but that was considered a lot because they're coming from the 60s and early 70s where they were just mainly blocking. So he was one. Of, he was actually prototypical for the modern age, a tall, quick, productive receiving tight end. And he has amongst the best stats of any Bengals tight end, so that's something that you have to consider. Again, the glamour positions are not guard, nose tackle, tight end. But when these guys excel and were the best in your history at those positions, they definitely deserve some recognition. Bob Trumpy became a phenomenal broadcaster, really the first Bengal to break into broadcasting after his career. And we've had a history of great Bengals. I mean, from, you know, Boomer, Collinsworth, Trumpy, Solomon Wilcots. You know, there's, there's been a bunch in our history. 
and he was the first one of all of them, and he broadcasted for years. So another one who contributed a lot to the game of football after he retired, and definitely worthy of Ring of Honor consideration. And actually, my big memory of him was, I was at the first game I was ever at when I declared myself a Bengals fan back in 1976, that famed 42-3 win over the Jets at Shea Stadium, Namath's last game in that building. Bob Trumpy had one reception for a 39-yard touchdown. All right, Reggie Williams is the next one. He played for the Bengals for 14 years. And Reggie Williams, he was on both of those Super Bowl teams. He was one of those guys that it, it was just expected he was going to be there every year. Like later, it was like Joe Walter and Bruce Kazerski. It was just like they were just always Bengals. You, you can't remember a time when they weren't. So when he was playing, it was like that. It was like, wow, he was with us in the 70s. He was with us for the first Super Bowl run. He was with us for the second Super Bowl run. And what he was, he was a dominant outside linebacker that was a blitzing linebacker. So he was one, you know, he 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 covered, he tackled sideline to sideline. But for the most part, he was a pass-rushing linebacker. And it showed because he had 63 sacks in his career. And he was one of those guys, not a big name around the league, but someone that was always in the lineup, durable, and very productive. And I'm going to say for that first Super Bowl run, probably our best pass rusher. So he had a lot of success as a Bengal. I know that he went on to become a councilman in Cincinnati. So another one. And we go down this list. It's not just what these guys have done on the field. You know, thinking about Paul Brown with all his innovations. And Boomer Esiason being one of the top broadcasters, sports broadcasters around. Chris Collins were starting PFF and being one of the best broadcasters. Trumpy, one of the first great broadcaster players. Reggie Williams, a councilman. It just goes on and on. So, you know, Mr. Brown always wanted to have great players who were great human beings. And when you look at this list, you have a lot of guys that were talented and great people outside of football. So that brings us to the last one, which is Leapin' Lamar Parrish, one of the coolest Bengals of all time. Eight years as a Bengal. He moved on to a couple other teams after that. But another turnover machine. 25 INTs, 10 fumble recoveries. So that's a lot of turnovers for one guy. And the big stat, and I again, I'm not rattling off too many stats, but he had 11 total touchdowns without ever taking an offensive snap. A bunch of punt returns, a bunch of pick sixes, a kick return. So this guy was a weapon, not just defending receivers, but in his own right in the return game, he was a major difference maker. And, you know, we had years where it was Lamar Parrish as the left corner and Ken Riley as the right corner, and those were just locked down, and that set a precedent of us having great cornerback play for most of our history. You know, there was a couple dark years. There was the Rod Jones era. There was the era where Mike Brim was our best corner, but no disrespect to those guys. They actually called him Rod Toast Jones back then. But aside from a few blips on the radar, we've had great cornerback play, and Parrish and Riley started that. And again, they call Parrish Dion before Dion. He was flashy. He was cocky. He was athletic. He was a, a game breaker and a game changer on the field. And one of the Bengal greats, although he didn't play a long time for the Bengals, although he played for other teams near the end, when he was there and at his prime, he was one of the best in the league. And that deserves consideration into the Ring of Honor and beyond. All right, so to sum all of this up, who do we elect for 2023? Who does the unofficial Bengals podcast vote for? I am not a season ticket holder. I am in New Jersey, so I have no say. But I'd like to think that I love this team as much as anyone on the planet. So with that said, I deserve my vote. Here it is. I'm going to say for this year, you put in Chad Johnson and you put in Boomer Esiason. Their contributions on the field were 
top of the league when they were in their prime and their contributions off the field. Chad Johnson as an electric personality, the first one to kind of embrace Twitter and Boomer for all of the broadcasting and charitable things and all the great things that he's done. I think you need to put these guys in because when you think about great Bengals, obviously Chad Johnson's on that list. You know, there's a very short list of who we think our best receivers are. And A.J. Green is right there. Chad Johnson, Isaac Curtis, just to name a couple. Carl Pickens. But Chad was right there as far as the best. I mean, 10,000 career yards and the face of the Bengals for a long time. And when Boomer played, he was the next great Bengal. You know, when, when he took over for Ken Anderson, it was just like, wow, we have Ken Anderson again. So I think both of these guys deserve to get in. And it's a good time now that our team is good and, you know, predicted to go deep into the playoffs, maybe even the Super Bowl. It's a nice time to have – these guys are high profile. You know, everything that Chad Johnson does is blown up on social media. So that's good for the organization as far as putting them in the Ring of Honor. It's going to get a lot of recognition for the Ring of Honor, for the Bengals. Of course, the Joe Burrow-led team is getting a lot of recognition now because people realize how great we are. But Chad is going to draw a lot of attention to that. And the same thing with Boomer Esiason. He's one of the anchors on the CBS national show. So it's going to get a lot of publicity when he gets to talk about going into the Ring of Honor. And then whatever whatever night they're going to do it, it's probably going to be one of the night games. But you put these two guys in this year, I think that's the way to go. And then moving forward, I'm going to do this show every year, so I don't know if I'm going to change my mind. But if I had to pick the next couple, let's just do that for fun. So Chad and Boomer, the next two to go in. But I think next year you put in Collinsworth and Dylan. Same thing. Dylan was just a dominant player for us. And Collinsworth was great on the field and major off the field. And another one who's going to bring a lot of attention to the Ring of Honor when he is eventually inducted. And then if you want to go a little bit further, then I was thinking 2025, you start looking at some of the older guys. And that's when you get Lamar Parrish, Bob Trumpy, maybe Crumry in. You think about those guys before, you know, before they get too up there in years. So, I mean, I can go through the whole list, but it's going to start getting a little convoluted because we have these 13 guys now, but as time goes by, there's going to be other guys that are going to be falling onto the list. You know, you're going to have your A.J. Greens and your Geno Atkins, at least, that are going to be, you know, locks for the for the Ring of Honor eventually. So in a couple of years, I don't know if the Bengals are using that four years retire to qualify, but you're going to have guys like that that deserve to be at the front of the list that are going to start pushing some of these older guys back. So it's a little bit of a quandary. You want to put in the guys that were the most memorable, greatest Bengals, and that is Chad, Boomer, you know, Corey Dillon, Collinsworth, but you, and Parrish, but you also want to get the older guys in while they're still here. So whatever they decide to do, I'm behind it. I trust our fan base. I trust our season ticket holders. And it's a great thing that this organization has a ring of honor. It's exciting for us every year. And it makes an already great organization even greater. And I, I credit Elizabeth Blackburn. I don't know whose idea it was at the root, but since she came along, there's been so many positive changes. And this came right along the time that she did. So props to the front office, whoever's responsible for this idea. I cannot wait for the inductions. And, you know, I can't wait. 20 years from now, there's going to be a bunch of these guys hanging up from the rafters and well-deserved. And down the road, you know, you're going to see your Joe Burrows and Jamar Chases in there as well. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.